...philosophy rising from where it knelt. I'm sorry, I can't. It's not yet time. Wait! He rose involuntarily to his feet, faster than he had moved in ten years, his arthritis whining complaint. There is no sin so great that God will not pardon it. He went unheard. The door banged on the other side of the confessional, and he heard footsteps scurry across bare flagstones almost a run. Father Mike left his cubicle slowly, curious, yet reluctant to break the anonymity of the sacrament. The cool oblong of the nave was empty. The only change from when he had passed through earlier was a fresh candle burning in front of the statue of the Virgin. He felt deflated. Though your sins be scarlet, he murmured, they shall be white as snow. He crossed to the door and stood for a moment in the porch. There was no one in sight. Somewhere nearby he heard a car start, an engine purr away. At some time in the last half hour it had begun to rain heavily, and the handful of gravestones reflected the clouds above, equally grey. He would hear no more confessions tonight. It would be a black sin indeed that would bring someone from his fireside on such a night as this, and his parishioners were not black-hearted. None of them had done murder. He locked the door. If they needed him, his regulars knew to ring at the priest's house. He turned back and genuflected towards the altar, his right hand moving automatically to form the cross. And after a moment's thought snuffed the solitary candle out, lest it start a fire. A drop of wax fell on his dusty black skirt and set. That night's visitor would need more than a votive candle to enter the kingdom of heaven. Gregory Summers stood staring at the plate-glass window of Goodrich's, the independent bookshop in Northbrook Street, Newbury. The object of his interest was a poster, advertising a reading and signing that night by best-selling author Liam Sullivan of his autobiography, Behind the Wire. Greg didn't have as much time for reading as he'd like, or for keeping up with the latest from the world of books. But he'd have to have been living in a cave not to have heard of this one. Sullivan had been interviewed on Start the Week and on Breakfast Television, where the female presenter had smiled at him and fiddled with her hair, while her male counterpart looked nervous. Richard and Judy had famously refused to have him on, which was better publicity than if they had. He had talked to the Times, the Guardian, and the Telegraph. The launch party for the book had been held at the Groucho Club in Soho, and attended by luminaries of the sport, fashion, television, and film worlds, all of which made Gregory Summers angry. Sullivan was an IRA man, died in the wool. He liked to boast that his grandfather had been shot by the Brits in Dublin during the Easter Rising in 1916. It was in his blood, and he had waded in the blood of others in the late 70s and early 80s. He'd been convicted of masterminding the deaths of six people in the Windsor bombing of 1981, and no one doubted his involvement, if not as principal, in earlier atrocities. 
He'd been caught shortly after the Windsor bombing and sent to jail. Most decent people assumed that they'd thrown away the key. But he'd been released after nineteen years. The Good Friday Agreement had given an amnesty to sectarian killers in the hope that the troubled province of Ulster could make a new start after thirty years of civil war. Sullivan and his gang, as murderers of British civilians, didn't fall into that category. But they kept their noses clean in jail and expressed remorse which, Greg was sure, was as authentic as the tooth fairy. And now he'd written a book about it, and people were queuing up to buy it. It was being serialised in the Sunday Times. There was a law against profiting from crime, but somehow that didn't seem to apply to writing books. Greg didn't approve of murderers, whatever their motives. He didn't approve of murderers who wrote books about their crimes and...